Welcome back to the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here, and on this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Mr. Scott Knight, the husband of our former squadron commander, Lieutenant Colonel Knight. Scott served in the Air Force under the active duty component, as well as the Air Force Reserve. He continued his career serving in a civilian capacity, along with being a supportive spouse and father to his wife and kids. Originally from California, Scott traveled all over the world during his career with a two-year stop in the great state of Wisconsin as his wife took lead of our recruiting squadron. It was an honor to have the Knight family join our recruiting family and wonderful to have the opportunity to sit down with Scott to hear his story. So, without further ado, Scott Knight and his amazing beard. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. All units, proceed to your post assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here, and today I am sitting down with none other than Scott Knight. Scott Knight is a former Air Force member. He has since moved on to uh, greener pastures, as we like to say, but I am really excited to sit down because he is actually the husband of our current commander, Lieutenant Colonel Patricia Knight. So, uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on. I know that we've been talking about this for a while and I'm glad that we actually got this opportunity for you to sit down uh, and talk with us because, you know, again, you've been in the military, you've moved on, you've done other things and you, I'm sure that you have a wonderful story, but you guys are getting ready to leave. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, change of command is next week. And then uh, Packers come shortly after that, and then the movers come, and then wow, we're off. That's crazy. And it's a two-year two-year assignment. It's yeah, it's it's been quick. It's been good. Uh, it's been challenging, but it's it's been it's been exciting. Yeah, I feel like you guys just got here, and I'm kind of bummed actually. I yeah. wish you would have extended. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a very very <laughs> for selfish reasons because we we here at the 347th are big fans of colonel knight um leading us but she's all right yeah she's all right but i know that you guys are moving on to uh some awesome and you guys are going where going to uh back to colorado colorado springs Ooh, yeah yeah so she'll be at uh peterson space force base that's amazing and and i full disclosure i have not been a good spouse because i have not done a good job of knowing what her actual job is (laughs) um so yeah i don't I'll put that out there now. I don't know what she's going to be doing, but yeah. something in the Space Force. That's cool. Acquisitions and sustainment. Hey, there you go. Keeping our satellites yeah. in space. Yes. Hey, every job is important. And uh, um, I'm just, I'm kind of sad because you guys, the whole family will be greatly missed. So, well, thank you. Well, we're, you know, um, I'm, you know, originally from California. I never had any thought in my mind that I would ever live in Wisconsin, let yeah. alone enjoy living in Wisconsin. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it's been a pleasant surprise. I know, right? Especially in the summer. Winters are eh, but uh, the winters get a little bit long. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this last one. I mean, it would not quit. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we're happy now. It's warm out. Uh, But anyways, what the air power is all all about. And, uh, you know, I I know you've listened and and really this is about hearing your story. Uh, So we're going to start from the beginning. You said that you're originally from California. Um is that where you joined and, and where in California did you decide to join the Air Force? Yeah. So I grew up, uh, grew up outside Sacramento, a little town called Woodland. Um, it's, uh, 
right next to uh, Davis, where UC Davis is, which is a, a hmm. fairly uh, well-known ins- institution of higher learning. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I grew up there, little uh, small farming community, so not unlike Wisconsin. Yeah, I grew up running through cornfields and you know throwing rotten tomatoes at my friends and <laughs> you know all the all the fun stuff. You yeah, uh, in a farming community. That's awesome. So, what made you decide? that the air force was going to be your path. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. Uh, I used to think that I was unlike most people in my, my journey to the air force, but in listening to the podcast, I've learned I'm more like most people that end up joining the air force. It's, yeah. you know, I wasn't the the kid that, you know, even though, you know, Travis air force base wasn't too far away, you know, with the big C five and, you know, going, you know, having friends, family, friends that, that worked at Travis and getting access to the flight line and, you know, be able to walk into that giant plane with the nose yeah. open. I mean, it's, that's, that's awesome, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. You know, I, I never, I didn't have a burning desire to serve. Um, I absolutely consider myself, you know, patriotic. Yeah. Um, but military service wasn't something I was too interested in. Um, uh, I actually, I knew at a very young age, uh, that I wanted to be, it was going to be a, a teacher. Hmm. Uh, you know, I was going to, you know, I, I wish I could say, you know, a, a washed up athlete, but I was never really much of an athlete. Um, <laughs> but I was going to, that was, that was the path, you know, I was going to, I was going to teach, I was going to coach and I was just going to live, you know, the, the life that I was familiar with. My mom was a, an educator oh, um, nice. most of my life. And, uh, um, yeah, my, my, my older brother is a, is a teacher now. And so it's kind of, you know, what we thought was, was going to be our path. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, so I, I went to school uh and uh started started down that path uh i was going to be an elementary school teacher um and you know i I thought it was the greatest thing ever because all of my uh classes that were specific for elementary education Mm -hmm. i was one of like two dudes (laughs) yeah and a bunch of women and i was like this is great yeah Um, but then i actually started working in schools i was a teacher's assistant um and uh you know did the lunchtime security yep uh, you know, at one of the local junior highs and came to the realization that this, this isn't it. This can't be it. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, de- I still have a desire to teach, but I couldn't do it to pay the bills. It's, it's a yeah. tough job and teachers deserve more credit than they will ever get. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, but you know, that was since I was 12 years old, I was going to be a teacher. So here I was 21, 20, 21. And, uh, you know, realized, oh, shoot now what? Yeah. I don't have a plan. I don't have a backup plan. Mm. Even going to college was just a means to the end. I knew I had to have a degree to be a teacher. Yeah. So college wasn't, you know, it wasn't like this big fun thing I was going to go do. It was just a means to the end so I could get on with my life. Um, And uh, so when I realized that, and then, you know, and the other thing that happened in that time was 9-11. You know, that that was uh, definitely sparked an interest. And then my older brother, uh, who's the teacher now, uh, I mean, my, my, my hero, uh, you know, he joined the army. Oh, okay. Um, but I figured out pretty quickly what I wasn't going to do and it wasn't going to be join the army. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, I love those guys. I've worked with them. I deployed with them. I've uh, supported them. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think I made a good choice with the air force. Yeah. 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 Very thankful for the army and the Marines and the Navy and everybody, but I'm, I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. You call me a chair force all you want. I, it, it, the air conditioning is nice. I enjoy yeah. it every day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh, 
I, my first, it's funny that you mentioned that you did, uh, el- elementary education. That was my first major. Yeah. Um, was, uh, elementary education. And, and I didn't get the degree, but I kind of much like you, I, I realized I was like, ah, I don't know if this was something that I wanted to do. And then I switched my, my major and, and eventually got my degree, but yeah, it's 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 tough to it's tough for eighteen year olds and nineteen year olds to to make a decision while they're in college to like oh this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life yeah yeah you know so I am a firm believer of give yourself some time to grow to learn to to figure out really what you want to do um, and that's why I'm such a huge proponent of uh, joining the military because whether yeah. you do it for twenty or four yeah. You know, you you have time to grow and learn, and maybe go. Oh no, I don't want to do that. You know, and it uh, it's it's funny. My uh, uh, it, it's it, it's weird being a commander's husband because yeah. she's Trish to me. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's hard to when I say Trish, I'm like, wait, do do they know who I'm talking about? Because <laughs> like I don't know how many commanders I had that I had no idea what their first name was. Yeah, and if you said their first name, I it just went over my head because that is not how I knew them. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to call her Trish just to make it yeah, easy on me. Absolutely. If it messes you up, catch up. You know, you'll, you'll I got you're you. smart. You'll, yeah, yeah. You'll get, you'll get there. <laughs> um, Trish and I talk about all the time that, yeah, I think it was um, General McChrystal talks about, you know, taking time after high school to do some kind of service, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, uh, whether it's military service, whether it's, you know, volunteering somewhere, but like doing something that is bigger than yourself. Yeah. Um, for one, I mean, just to to see how good you have it, to see how good other people have it, and to see how how bad other people have it too. You know, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to be learned from that. Yeah, it puts puts things into perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and uh, you know, kind of one of the things that I've learned about myself is uh, I stole it from somebody. I, I think it was Jonathan Haidt, um, who's a, a social anthropologist, smart smart guy, um, uh, and. Uh, he talks about there are jobs, there are careers, and there are passions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a passion. I want more than a job. Yeah. That leaves me with a career, something that has upward mobility, something that I can, it, 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 it pays the bills. It, you know, I, I, I don't want to live to work. I want to work to live. Yeah. And that forward progression, the upward progression, you know, is, is something to, to strive for. And that's absolutely something the military does for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it paints the like that the path to that is you know what it is, you know, you know, if early on in your career, if you don't take the right steps to check the boxes to set you up down the road, you know why, you know, yeah. and, and there's and, and life happens. There's always obstacles. There's things that that that, that happen that, that get in your way and you've got to maneuver around. But yeah. the military does that. It oh, for it, sure. It's your career is literally in your control. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's awesome. Yeah. You. uh you nailed it. That's a perfect kind of metaphor for it. Um, the passion, career, and job. Um, I, I think that for me, uh, the Air Force is definitely a career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something that I love to do. Um, but I am working now to get to be able to do something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And uh, the Air Force is an amazing uh, kind of pathway to get there. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that uh, quite possibly this is 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 doing that, and this is something that the Air Force has 
has allowed you to do to explore yeah. with with good potential benefit. I mean, the things you're doing here to to share experiences with different career fields and different people of different ranks. Um, I mean, you had what General Thomas was on yeah. one of your first episodes, and you had Chief Goldstein. Um, yeah, we just did. Uh, we, I just did an interview with Chief Bass. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was that was amazing. Yeah. So even down to this washed up airman, <laughs> former Air National Guard. Yeah. Hey, we we um, we it's prejudice free here. Um, we uh, <laughs> it's like Planet Fitness in the. But like I said, and I said this in the in the introduction, every single person has an interesting story, yeah. whether they did four years or and then went to the guard and got out and did, everybody has an interesting story. And, and really that we just we just started. So what kind of job did you get right out of uh, basic training? So right out of basic training, I was supposed to be an airborne linguist. Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I so when I when I went in to the recruiter made that initial contact. Um, I, you know, it was, I hadn't, I didn't take the ASVAB in high school cause I, I, it, I wasn't, it wasn't a consideration. Yep. I wasn't even gonna do it as a backup plan just to see how I could do on the ASVAB. I didn't want, I wanted nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went in and I took the ASVAB and, um, you know, apparently did fairly well. And, you know, I said, okay, well, what jobs are open to me? So whatever you want, you pick. Yeah, qualify for everything that the Air Force has to offer. I was That's like, well, nice. Well, well, nice until you, you get the list. And you're yeah. Like, well, how do you narrow this down? Yeah. Um, I was like, okay. Well, what are the jobs that most people don't get? So, well, how, how are you doing? How do you do with languages? I was like, well, I speak English, okay, yeah. ish. <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I went in. And, you know, I took the uh, the the D Lab, the Defense Language Aptitude Battery, I believe it is. Yep. Um, I took that and apparently scored fairly well on that as well. Um, uh, the, the way, and this was 20 plus years ago, uh, the way they scored it, it was not out of a hundred. It was out of a number higher than 100. Yeah. So they're, you know, my recruiter's like, Oh, you, you scored whatever. And I was like, out of what? Yeah. Really? <laughs> um, she's, yeah, you, you qualify for all the languages, which I thought to mean you could pick yeah. whatever language you wanted. Um, and that was kind of led to believe, but that's on me. I didn't, I didn't know how the, I didn't know how the system worked. Sure. Um, so I have to take, I have to take responsibility for that. Um, and, uh, I ended up, so I was at basic training and that's when you filled out your, your dream sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, and apparently the way that the score that I got meant I was only going to get one of the, uh, the toughest languages. Ooh. I think this is all like this is all like the, the rumor mill around, uh, you know, the the dorms um, in uh, in Monterey, California, uh, which if anybody's thinking about being a linguist, Monterey, California is worth it. Even yeah. If you fell out like me. It's 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 beautiful. Um, and uh, so I, I think my three languages were um, Arabic. Because again, like this was, uh, you know, the shadows of 9-11. So it's okay. Yeah. We'll fight terrorism um, or Farsi uh, for, you know, very mm -hmm. similar reasons. Um, and then Spanish. Because I, I, I wanted to do counter drug. I thought counter drug would be kind of. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I can learn Spanish and I can do counter drug. You know, because the Air Force at that time wasn't going to be, wasn't, it was just a stepping stone in my path. It wasn't going to be, I knew I wasn't going to do more than one enlistment. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, 
my first job out of out of basic training uh, was uh, to be a linguist, uh, and I found out my language. I think my first tech school, which my because I was going to be an airborne linguist, you had to go to. Um, it's kind of like an like an eliminator course. It's a this it was this short two week uh, like intro to aircrew course. Oh, okay. That was at the uh, the Medina Annex. Nice outside of uh, outside of Lackland. Um, and I think I found out my language there, and it was Korean, which is a language that I had never even considered. Yeah, I was like, I well, shoot, I who speaks Korean? Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Um, and uh, so, so I was already, I was like, oh, shoot, I wanted these three languages. Mm-hmm. How do you not get, you know, Arabic or Farsi with the current situation? Yeah, you know, I was like, um, and again, right? This is how naive I was. I had no idea what north korea was up to or what they were doing at the time and you know and yeah um now i I go well that would have been a great Mm -hmm. language to learn um so i was already you know kind of you know down disappointed that i didn't get the language i wanted and i got to dli the defense language institute in monterey and uh korean's hard yeah really hard um i uh i'm not the smartest guy but i've been able to pass everything that i that i've you know that i've done before not korean I, I i couldn't hear it it was just a, a one sound like really I separate i could read it and i could write it because it's a very logical language yeah so i could read it and i could write it but as soon as they started speaking i was lost dang which is problematic for a linguist yeah yeah so um so yeah after a, a couple short months there uh you know I, the writing was on the wall that i was not going to make it mm-hmm and I'll, I'll never forget the day I was uh, uh, in class one day and the, uh, the 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 Air Force chief that was there stuck his head in to pull somebody else out of class. You know, when he stuck his head in, it was somebody was getting the, the hook. Yeah. Um, and he looked at me and he goes, what are you still doing here? I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, that was that was the end of my time in, in Monterey. Um, and I was. I was terrified because I thought I was every, at the time everybody was getting reclassed to security forces. Yeah. Which I was like, well, shoot, I don't want, I, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, nothing against the security force troops. Um, just, yeah, just, personal just preference. Personal preference. It wasn't, it wasn't something I wanted to do. I, um, I, you know, I, law enforcement is not something I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, you know, simple I, as that. Yeah. So, um, or the other thing they were doing is they were sending to, uh, um, they're CSTs now, but I don't think they were CSTs at the time. But the, the computer guys. Yeah. I I didn't know anything about computers. I still <laughs> don't know anything about computers. So, you know, I, like I said, I'm not very smart. But um, so I was terrified. And, but I had been at uh, I'd been in the Air Force long enough. My security clearance was far enough along. Oh, nice. That they didn't want to. Um, I remember my secret. I may have already had my secret clearance uh, working towards my top secret clearance. Um, and so they put me in uh, Intel. So I was in. That's amazing. Intel uh, intelligence analyst. So, wow, that's the that was my second, third tech school. Wow. I, I had an extended stay in tech school. Yeah. How long? Uh, I think I was there for about 15 months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And where is the uh, Intel tech school? Uh at Lackland or no not Lackland um Goodfellow Air Force Base 
in, in Texas, in San Angelo, Texas. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, funny story. Um, Trish and I were there at the same time. Really? Yeah. We didn't know each other. She was obviously there on, on the officer side. Yeah. Um, I was, was enlisted. Um, so we were there at the same time, but we didn't know each other. Wow. Yeah. And once you, so when you're done for 15 months of tech school, yep. uh, what's your fa- first base that you go to? So my first base. So again, right. Uh, so I'm at this point, I'm over one on dream sheets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to get back to California or at least, you know, the Southwest, um, the West coast, West of the Rockies, at least. Yeah. Um, so I loaded up my dream sheet with everything, everything on West of the Rockies. I, I loaded it up. Um, and I got close. Uh, I got, um, Oh shoot. What's the base now? Uh, in South Dakota. Um, uh, oh, no. um, anyways, I'm supposed to go to South Dakota. Yeah. Um, and I was like, shoot, I don't want to do that either. Like this whole air force thing is not working out. Yeah. Um, and you could switch one for one with people yep. that were in your class. And so there was, uh, there was a lady that was in my class that she was like, well, I'm from Oregon. I, I would love to go to, to South Dakota. Hmm. Um, I was like, I was like, well, where are you going? She was, well, I'm going to England. I was like, you don't want to trade South Dakota for England, or England for South Dakota. Yeah. And she goes, no, no, I really do. I was like, okay, no take back. Really don't. And then that was, yeah, I, I gave her, I, you know, I gave her two, two yeah. opportunities and I was like, okay, done. Wow. Um, so I was, uh, off to England. Um, and uh, Lake and Heath Air Force Base. Um, Very nice. Well, I guess RAF Lake and Heath. Because um, uh, I think we rent or lease the the base. Yeah. Um, supporting F-15. So they've got three F-15 squadrons there. When I was there, they had three F-15 squadrons, two E-model squadrons with the the, the fighter bomber, uh, and then the C-model squadron, which is the, the air-to-air. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. It, well, yeah, it was. Um, but I was you know, like I said, I was a little bit disgruntled. So I didn't, I, I was like, well, I don't want to go like, you know, I, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Yeah. Um, if, and, uh, I, I had, I just had, I had a, a bad attitude and I was mm-hmm. talking to my mom and, uh, um, she said, when did you become such a pessimist? No. And I was like, Ooh, I got called out. Yeah. Like, Shoot. She goes, <laughs> didn't you join the air force because of the opportunities? this sounds like a pretty good opportunity yeah all right mom you're right you're right yeah. <laughs> so you had to take a long hard look in the mirror and go all right I yeah gotta. yep yep yeah that's amazing um it's crazy i actually did a one-for-one swap too in tech school okay um it's uh where were you supposed to go i was supposed to go to travis you missed out uh, <laughs> i would have I traded i went to <laughs> instead i went i swapped and i was very much like this this um individual from oregon because I swapped Travis to go. I had Travis swapped to go to Dover, Delaware. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, one of the main reasons why was because a lot of my friends in tech school all got Dover. Okay. And the unit that I was going to go to and Travis was a contingency contingency response unit. So I would have been deploying a lot and, and everything and i was like i don't really want to do that and then the of course the guy that i was in text with he he gave me the sob story yeah and he knows this. i was just on his podcast a couple weeks ago uh cameron macias is his name and he's from california his mom lived like 30 minutes away and he was like oh i i just want to be by my mom and i was like all right whatever man um yeah you can take it i'll go to dover with all the all of our buddies 
Um, I don't know. I've never been to uh, California. I mean, I went when I was a kid, but that was the only time. So I've only been to Delaware once. Yeah. The entire and it was just driving through. Yeah, and it probably took uh, like 30 minutes. Well, and, and the only thing I could think of is that scene from Wayne's World. Where, hey, I'm in, I'm in Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> yeah. I could think of. Yeah, that's funny. Um, it, yeah, it's such a small state. Um, but everything happens for a reason, right? And, uh, you know, I had Absolutely. to make the best out of it. Um, yep. And I'm sure you did the same thing in, in England. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it took a little while. Um, but I, I finally got there. Uh, but it, it you just said something. Everything happens for a reason, and it, it's that's so true. I mean, yeah. um, you know that it it's funny that the path that I took to get, um, to, the path that I took to get to England was, uh, I, I was almost a runner. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, which you know, for you know, uh, you know, those that don't know what that term means. Yeah, um, I didn't know it until Trish took command here. <laughs> uh, it, it's those recruits that get dropped off the day before MEPS and they take off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was almost me. I was at the hotel and I knew I was like, I, I don't have to do this Yeah, and still get out. I probably won't be able to get in later, but I can still get out. Yeah. I don't have to do this. Um, but it was that hard look to be like, Hey, you know, there's, you wanted to be a teacher. It didn't work out. You've had other opportunities that you either messed up or you passed on. Don't pass on this one. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and then that's and everything to get to England and the significance with getting to England is because uh, that is where Trish and I first met. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I, I She got there uh, right before right before my first deployment. Um, and then when I got back from my deployment, I deployed with the army um, out to uh, Western Afghanistan. And uh, because it was with the army, it was a little bit longer than the traditional four month deployment that the air force was doing at the time. Yeah. Um, and so by the time I got back, I only had a month before I was supposed to PCS. Oh, wow. I actually had to sign a waiver, um, because you're supposed to have more time before you move. Yeah. Um, I was like, Nope, I'm done. Get me out of here. My following assignments to Las Vegas. So like, that's where I want to be. There you go. That's where I want to go. Um, and, uh, um, so yeah, I, you know, uh, I had a, I had a, I had a good time in England. I got to, uh, I got to go TDY to Italy four times in four months. Very cool. Um, the first three, the first three months was a week at a time. Uh, and then the last month was a two week TDY. Nice. That, I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you were, you said you were an intelligence analyst, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I know obviously a lot of the work that you do as an intel in the intelligence career field is, is top secret. Um, but you know, unclassified stuff, what are some of the responsibilities that you had for your job as an intelligence analyst? Yeah. So, uh, for the air force, the, the bulk of it is supporting flying operations, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, knowing all the different kinds of threats. Um, so the different, you know, surface to air missiles, the, the SAM systems that predominantly are, are Russian made, mm-hmm. knowing, you know, the, the missiles, the ranges of the missiles, the radars, the ranges, of the radars, countermeasures so that, um, you can prepare the pilots yeah. for those. Um, and then working with the, the air crews for, for mission planning, um, you know, to, to avoid, uh, those different SAM systems, uh, is a lot of it. Um, knowing 
uh, you know, there you can, there's different subsets, uh, that you can get into, um, in that it may have changed now. And like I said, it was 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, but it was, yeah, I mean, everything from, you know, targeting, knowing which bombs to, to select, uh, to have the right effect on, on a target. Nice. Um, that that's the bulk of it, which is all, to be honest, stuff that really didn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, what I, what I liked, what I was into was the, the geopolitical, geopolitical stuff. Really? Um, yeah. So that was, that was the, the stuff that I liked that I didn't really have an opportunity to, um, get exposed to until I deployed with the army Yeah, and went to Afghanistan and was on the ground and had to know who the players were and the differences between the tribes and, you know, the, um, you know, all of the nuances of, um, of, of, uh, of, of Islam and, you know, um, you know, the jihadi, uh, ideology and yeah, it's all that crazy. stuff that, that I really started getting into, um, which was cool because in my follow on assignment directly after that, um, in Las Vegas was actually North of Las Vegas at Creech Air Force Base. I was supporting MQ nines. Um, it was the, the 42nd attack squadron, which has since been, uh, they've, uh, I don't know what they, the term is, but they, they, they've shut it down. Yeah. It's no longer. Um, and, uh, at the time, uh, it was, we were a close air support. So we were, um, in MQ nine, not doing, um, ISR intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. We were doing close air support. Yeah. So we were up there with hellfire missiles and GBU 12s and dropping bombs and shooting missiles. And it was like the wild, wild west. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a, uh, one of those jobs where you take a step back and, you know, at night you're like, am I, I'm really doing this. That's kind of crazy. But then you also have a lot of responsibility. Like that's a yeah high, high responsibility job. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're essentially deployed in garrison. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there are, you, you pull up to the gate, you know, in your, your car, you know, listen to your music. Yeah. Um, and then you go through the gate and it, you know, sign says, welcome to CENTCOM, you know, the, you know, home of the hunter killers. Yeah. And you, you go to war. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's, I mean, and, and that's one of the cool things is especially for Intel because so much of the work is done, um, behind the scenes and behind the line. Yeah. Um, but because of our role and especially our role as a cast asset uh, at the time, um, we were able to have immediate and real effect on the battle space. Yeah. 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 That's one of those things like, a, we had to explain to airmen sometimes, um, you know, the big picture because a lot of them are like, what are we doing? We're just, you know, in my old career feels like we're just building, cargo and putting it on mm -hmm. you know an airplane and that's it and you have to like say no you're look at the second and third order of effects of what you're doing and, yeah. and how important it is to the to the mission for you 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 saw it firsthand you're yeah. like i did this and that was the that's what happened yeah that that's that's really cool yeah yeah so how long or when did you decide that you were going to leave the air force uh the day i raised my hand at, at meps and yeah um, yeah i knew i knew i was only gonna do one one enlistment one enlistment yeah. and it was was it four or six years it was six years because the uh the signing bonus for 
linguist at the time was ten thousand dollars. Nice. Six years. Cool. Um, but well, yeah, if, if you get it, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, if if you if you if you fail out of your tech school, you don't get that bonus. Uh, yeah. yeah. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, so I knew, um, and uh, I. It was kind of was I I loved my job. I loved being. I, I still love being an analyst. Um, I guess I can't say that anymore. I'm not an analyst anymore. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love being an analyst. It was, I was good at it. It was fun. Um, it, I'm a very logical person. Um, and so it, it made sense to me. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't, the air force wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the thing that I missed was because I, I didn't see it as part of my career. Yeah. Which is a huge mistake. It doesn't matter if you do six years, four years, three months. It's the start of your career. Yeah. So absolutely. Do, it, do it right and, and and get something out of it. Even if you do something totally different, mm-hmm. it's the start of your career. And you can always look back on that and and pull from your experiences that you had. Yeah. So now how was it? How was it to transition uh, from the air force to civilian and what did you do uh, after you got out? So, uh, this is where, I mean, I, I kind of, like I said, I was, I was a little disgruntled. I was, you know, cause I, I it, things didn't go my way. I was acting like a spoiled brat. Yeah. Um, and then something happened and things started to go my way a little bit. Um, I, my plan was to separate. Uh, I'd started finally the last year that I was in, um, so before I joined the Air Force, I already had uh, two years of college done. Nice. And I got really good advice uh, when I was in England. Uh, Sean Pritchard, who's, I, uh, I think, just put on 06. Wow. Uh, he's out, out in uh, D.C. So, uh, hi, Sean. Um, he said, hey, if you get out of the Air Force after six years and you don't have, you're not working on your master's degree, you've made a mistake. Dang. And I was just, it was well, poor me. I was like, well, I'm doing my CDCs and all this other stuff that I got to do. <laughs> yep. All the, all the excuses to not start. Yeah. Um, and then once I started, I was like, Sean was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was really right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'd, I'd started my degree. So my plan was to get out, uh, finish my degree and become a teacher. Yeah. That was my plan. Um, and then uh, I was, uh, I was, fortunate because about six months before i got out there were a couple guys um from colorado springs um that were out they were working on a project out of the air force academy where they were building um uh mission planning software Mm. Uh, basically it 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 took um it took all of your pre-mission information and automated powerpoint oh okay So there's ways you can do it but you, you have to essentially be a coder yeah, to be able to like uh, man or uh, automate that stuff. But the program they were building, it did it all for you. Ooh, nice. So you didn't have to have a coder on staff. It, it, it was already, it was built by pilots and navigators and people that were familiar. So they knew exactly what they were looking for, what they needed. Yeah. Um, all of the stuff that had to be in that pre-mission brief. Um, so we were pulling from weather databases. We were pulling from the go, no go checklists. Um, all the, you know, the, um, the uh, what are they? The update airmen uh, notifications um, that all the stuff that goes into the pre-mission brief. Yeah, so they're pulling all that in, but they had been given um, a couple million dollars um, by a 
uh, a unit out of the Pentagon to incorporate that to the um, the remotely piloted aircraft, the RPA world. Oh, okay. So which is the MQ-1, MQ-9, the Global Hawk, um, all those you know unmanned drones. Yeah. Um, you know that are that are up there flying around, uh, but they didn't have anybody that knew that world. And so they oh. were wandering around. They said, hey, anybody getting out in the next six months that might be interested in coming to work for us? And uh, my, my boss at the time said, yeah, go talk to him. Nice. I was going to go back to California. Um, so they, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Heck yeah. Um, you know, you know and, uh, and I you know, accepted on the spot and had a plan. Yeah, which that's was, awesome. Which was nice. Um, and, uh, and so when I got out, I went to work for the software development firm. Um, they were the firm outside of this program. They were also the firm that built, um, Sydney, which was a, um, a general Petraeus initiative that was used for, um, report generation. And it was a database of all of like the, uh, significant activities, significant events that happened mm. in Iraq and Afghanistan. So you knew it would automate. So you knew if you were planning a, you know, a convoy through route X through Baghdad, it would populate with all of the recent IEDs and, wow. and all the ambush spots and on all, all that stuff. So it was, it was really cool. So it was, uh, you know, it, from going from when I was at DLI being terrified of computers, now I'm working for a software development firm. Yeah. yeah. But as a RPA SME, um, that's crazy. So that was, yeah, that was, uh, and it just, it just fell into my lap. Um, and I had gotten some, you know, some opportunities, some experiences, uh, when I was at Creech, um, working in the wing operations center at that big picture. Um, when I started, I think there were, I don't know, a dozen, maybe 15 different lines that we were flying at, at a time. And when I left, uh, in just a couple of years, it was, we were up 60 plus. Whoa. Um, so, I mean, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, it just exploded with, with RPAs. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah. So I, I got some good experience there and working with a KOC, um, out at LUD and in, in that role. Um, so I had, I had, you know, probably not the exact person they were looking for. Uh, <laughs> I was maybe a little bit junior for that position, but I, I, I got it. Hey, so heck I yeah. foot in the door and I, you know, kind of ran with it. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> When does, when do you, I guess, I mean, when do you marry Trish? When do you meet your wife and marry? Yeah. Marry so, her? so we met in England um, and then we'd stayed in touch um, professionally because after I left England, Lake Anith was lead wing and in, um, in Iraq at, at Balad. Okay. Um, and so I knew there was an event happened and, and I knew that there was video of that event and I needed somebody in the Intel shop at Balad to get that information from. Yeah. And so I reached out to the people I used to work with in England. Um, and, uh, and, and Trish was actually the one that, that answered the phone. Nice. Um, and so we, you know, kind of started emailing back and forth a little bit, you know, staying professional course um, and then uh uh when when i was moving to colorado springs i knew she went from england to colorado springs so i reached out and you know got together for dinner and you know wow the rest, is, the rest is history and the rest is history yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy. She fell for it. She fell for it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, it, it's crazy how things like that work out. Yeah. You know, yep. like the fact that all these things had to, and my wife and I talk about this all the time, like all these things have to happen yeah. in order for one thing to happen. Yeah. You know? And so that whole time I was, I was there being a pessimist and, and, you know, thinking that the world was against me and, and life was against me. If any of those things would have been different. Yeah. You know, if that one person wouldn't have said, hey, I, I don't want to go to England. I want to go to South. Yeah. You know, like. I, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, um, what are you doing now uh, for uh, a profession? Yeah. So. Um, so now I, I work for. Well, let's let's go back. So I was so I got out and I'm working for the software development firm as an RPA SME, um, you know, uh, and then right uh, get married. Now I'm uh, a military dependent. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm the spouse. Yeah. Right? Um, and PCS orders come. Oh, so you got to go. So, all right, got to go. And I was fortunate. I was able to continue to work in remotely on that job for, uh, for a couple months, mm-hmm. uh, but not, it, I knew that was the agreement. It wasn't gonna be long-term yeah. a couple months was the best they could do. I was like, I ah, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll find a job. I've got a master's degree now. I've got a top secret clearance. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And so we're moving to LA. I'm like, this is perfect. This yeah. Is back where I want to be. Go Dodgers. Um, and uh, get to LA and I can't find a job. Ooh. Uh, I keep, I keep looking. I go to the base. I, you know, I'm doing the workshops and put my resume out. Um, uh, finally uh, get to the point where um, I, I have to take a job, uh, part-time job at Bank of America. Mm. Um which I always, I was like, oh man, this is terrible. I'm you know, working at big, and, and again, nothing against, it's just not where I wanted to be. That, yeah. that was just a job Yep. that wasn't helping my career at all. It was mm-hmm. just a job. Uh, and so uh, I knew that at, uh, in Southern California, March Air Force, March Reserve Base uh, has an MQ-9, MQ-1 unit. And they were doing the same thing I was doing at Creech. And I knew one of the pilots there. So oh. I reached out and said, hey, are you guys, how does this work? How does this guard thing work? Yeah. It's this like, best kept secret in uh, garden reserve is the best kept secret in the DOD. Uh-huh. Um, and they're like, yeah, just, just apply. And, and it was cool because Trish was actually able to swear me into the guard. Oh, nice. Um, and so went out, we did that for a couple of years. Um, uh, and you know, got a couple things happened with that. Got back into the Intel world. Um, got my security clearance renewed. Very uh, nice. And then, uh, did that for a couple of years. And then again, PCS orders come and we're out to, the DC area. Yeah. And, uh, reached out to some buddies that I knew were out there and, uh, got a job at DIA defense intelligence agency working for the defense combating terrorism center, DCTC. Um, and I was, uh, working again, Afghanistan, um, working, uh, the ISIS account. So I was, wow. the, um, for a time was the lead ISIS analyst for, for DCTC. Dang. Um, so it was, for me, it was the big leagues. Yeah, it was. I was writing writing papers for uh, you know the did articles writing. Um, never published a, a presidential daily brief, but wrote a couple that didn't quite make the cut. Um, uh, that got downgraded to a, a lower level paper, but you know, writing for the Secretary of Defense. That's it was, big it was, time. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, and then uh, parlayed that into um, uh, an opportunity. Uh, working for the United States Agency for International Development, 
which is a mouthful, but USAID. Uh, so that's the government agency that is responsible. It's the, well, it's the premier agency for um, international development and humanitarian assistance throughout the world. So pick your developing country. We go in and try to help them build their infrastructure and, and, uh, wow. and the, the goal is to work ourselves out of a job, get them to a point where they can do all that themselves. Yeah. But for a lot of these countries, it's a, it's a long road. Um, but I was working for their office of security, um, for those programs, a lot of his contracts, awards, grants, mm-hmm. um, we were, we have to go and make sure we have to vet the recipients of those awards to make sure that they're not terrorists. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's, that's what I, I started doing. And I kind of in there, once I got my foot in the door, there I was, I was a contractor there. Um, I got hired on as a, um, a temporary, uh, so it's, it's foreign service limited. So it's like a temporary um, foreign service position doing the same thing. Uh, and then I was able to get hired as a, um, a civil servant, uh, direct hire, civil servant, um, doing uh, a little bit different role, more of a operations management role, still with that vetting team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just recently of, uh, started taking on some, some other responsibilities. And now I'm a, um, uh, managing contracts, contract officer representative for a couple of contracts in the office of security. Um, still around that intelligence yeah. world. So, wow. um, so yeah, so that's right. The, the fast forward to, to what I'm doing, what I'm doing now. So that what started as a career, what started as a job that I didn't want yeah, has turned into a full-time career that, um, you know, I've got approval, um, you know, that it's, it's a job that I can, I can take with me and I can, uh, uh work remotely. And Very so, nice. you know, here in the, in a, in a couple of weeks when we move again, I don't have to find a job. So that's awesome. Yeah. 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 That it's crazy. I, I, as a recruiter, when I was having, you know, these individuals in my office and talking about some of the jobs, I always talked about intelligence jobs and how getting your top secret security clearance really opened a lot of doors. Yeah. And I mean, you are the proof. I mean, look what you did and then your breadth of experience from all the different jobs that you've held and, and with this top secret security clearance, I mean, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. It, yeah. I mean, um, it, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's definitely been, been beneficial. Um, yeah. It, it, it separates you apart a little bit. I mean, you still you know, like anything, you know, you get the opportunity and you gotta, yep. you have to make good. Yeah. Um, because there are enough people that have, especially if you're talking about like the DC area, mm-hmm. I mean, a top secret clearance is, I mean, yeah. uh, who doesn't have one? I know. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, but it, but you know, being able to have that and maintain that, um, is, uh, and, and that's right. Part of the, the nice thing with where I've transitioned to, uh, is, um, I don't need the, the security clearance, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I have to ask, um, because we are on a, this is a podcast and people can't see us, but you have a glorious beard. Well, thank you. Right. Like <clears throat> when you first came in, when, when two years ago, when, uh, Colonel Knight comes in, it does the change of command and in walks her husband and you look like UFC fighter. Yeah. You know, you've got <laughs> tattoos, you've got the beard and it's really deceiving because you 
are one of the most like kind hearted, gentle people I've ever had the opportunity to sit down and speak with. Um, no, keep going. And, and when, when did you like, have you been growing that beard since you got out? No. Um, I, I had uh, facial hair. Um, I had a, a goatee for a long time Yeah. when I got out and then I had to shave it when I joined the guard yeah. in uniform. Uh, and at the time our daughter was, was about two and she'd never seen me without, just, <laughs> she'd never seen my face. Uh, and I, I picked her up after I shaved. She's like, who's the stranger picking she, me up? She did. She, she hugged me and she kind of looked at me with her hands on my face and pushed me away. Um, no, <laughs> the, but the, the full beard, the, what I, what I've got going now, um, I, you know, I'm lazy. Yeah. And I just didn't want to shave. Um, and so for a long time, and you know, Trish would put up with it for a couple of days and she'd go, okay, go shave. <laughs> um, and I don't remember how I got the thumbs up, but I got the thumbs up. And uh, so I just, I went with it. So it's, yeah, I've had uh, a beard for uh, probably five, six years now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's epic. I'm very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I have a, a beard now that I have a shaving waiver. Yeah. But before that, I was living vicariously through you. So someday. So, but it's the funny thing, right? So it started because I'm lazy, but now it's so long that I actually have to you know, do like, more work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I even noticed that with mine, I, yeah. I have to keep it trimmed up and then, you know, you gotta, I, I have to put the, the oil and stuff because it, my follicles are so, yeah. I mean, it's like a wire brush. So I have to do so much just to, but it looks cool. Yeah. That well, thank you. Right, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so how I have to ask this, your wife is a squadron commander yeah. of a recruiting squadron. How has it been? This Is this her first command? This, yeah, this is her first command. How has it been being the commander's husband or uh, the commander's, yeah, the commander's husband? So it's, it, it's, it, it's different. Um, and I don't have a ton to compare it to because for so much of my career, I was, you know, the, the end of my active duty career and then the entirety of my, my guard career, I was essentially deployed in garrison yeah so we didn't do like the regular squadron events that you normally mm-hmm. do like, i didn't have the interaction with you know the commander's spouse yeah um that that you would have um but it's uh it's good it, it humbles me um it because you know I, I i look around i look around the office and i look around the entire squadron at the accomplishments accomplishments of of the people that are in her squadron yeah, um, and not her squadrons, it's the air force's squadron, but you know, that, that she's responsible for. Um, yeah. and it's impressive. And I, I look at what people are able to do. I mean, we've had in, in this squadron, um, you know, we've had, uh, PhDs, we've had, uh, bodybuilders, uh, you know, we've had, um, professional motocross like yeah it's it, it it's amazing um you know even you know we're sitting here in, in sergeant hall's office and just her stories about doing the uh the uh i can't remember the, the, the dpa yeah yeah i mean that's 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 wild that's i so know cool. yeah so yeah it's, it's humbling that that there's so much there's so much that the air force will allow you to do it's not just being in the military it's not just putting on the uniform and going to work and just being a, a robot yeah like you actually have a life um you know there's it's it's so cool and then you know especially the other spouses um you know that have that have managed to be to find careers um and and maintain careers mm-hmm. um at a much earlier point 
than what I was able to do. I struggled yeah. for a long time. And so it's, it's so cool to see, and it's really encouraging to see that there's so many people, um, that are able to do the things that they love and that they're passionate about and able to have spouses that are able to, to have careers on yeah. top of being, um, you know, a spouse and, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's mostly, most of the active duty force, um, is, is male. Yeah. Right? Like it, it just is. Um, so I don't see too many other, especially squadron commander male spouses. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I've met a few and it's, 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 it's amazing the life that you can have that the air force allows you to have. Mm -hmm. uh, even though you're moving every couple of years, even though you're committed to, you know, recruiting being uh, the hard pressure that recruiters are under right now. Yeah. But they're still able to have lives. They're still able to do the things that they love mm -hmm. um, and, and get out. And that's true across your career field. I mean, yeah. like I said, I was deployed in garrison for years, but I was still able to yeah, live in Las Vegas. It's yeah. awesome. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's it. that's you bring up a really good point. I mean, not not often do we talk about the effect of an individual being in the service um, that it'll have on significant others. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in here to kind of give that perspective of there are so many opportunities for not just the member, the service member, but their spouses and their yeah. families. Um, the doors that it opens up, the the community and the family that you gain just by being a member of a squadron. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so cool that, you know, we come in here to work and, 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 uh, Colonel Knight brings in your daughter, Ari, and we're like, everybody here's like, Hey Ari, how you doing? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, or bring a dog in, you know, it, it's, we're a family and, and, and the spouses and the families are part of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope, I hope that is common throughout the air force. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there's some, being in intel like i you can't bring your kid into work yeah. you know like it's just you know it it's, it's not gonna happen not gonna happen um you know you gotta yeah um but uh but i i hope it's something that's common i hope that it's something that i know i know that it's something that uh is a point of emphasis for trish to make sure that it's mm -hmm. because she's seen what being a spouse is it, it I've had a lot of opportunities, but it hasn't always been easy. Yeah. We've had to get creative to like, I, I took a job at bank of America. You know, mm -hmm. I went back in uniform and was working nights and weekends and holidays and missing birthdays. Um, something that was a reason why I got out. You know, I was, tired yeah. of, I was tired of working Christmas day. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, you know, you had to, you, you do it. And now, right now that we're towards the end of her military career, it's starting you you're starting to see the stars align like oh wait yeah it was worth it absolutely and even, and even my career you know like now that i'm in a position where i don't this is the first time we're moved where i haven't had to find a new job yeah that's awesome that it's and it all started all the opportunities that we have all the everything that we have now is opportunities for both of trish and i came from the air force yeah and, and it's opportunities that are i wish i could say was available to everybody but again you being a recruiter you know when 23 percent is eligible yeah is, is, is like, it's it's a low it's staggeringly low i mean it's difficult to get in it really yeah, is yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you can get in 
it's a and I guess that's the neat the neat thing about military service. It's difficult to get into the Air Force, but the other branches, the opportunities are different. Mm-hmm. The long term career opportunities that you have to go out and you have to get right. Like I said in the beginning, the career the path is in your control. Yeah, what you do with it is up to you. Mm-hmm. The sooner you start on that and taking that seriously, the yeah. better you set yourself up for the end game. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that um, Trish uh, puts an emphasis on making a unit feel like a family because there are there have oftentimes been units that I've been a part of um, where a commander will say that, but then their actions don't necessarily show it. And yeah. I understand that there's high tempos and high stress and everything yeah. like that. And it, it can tend to be difficult, um, but it is still extremely difficult in this squadron. Um, but that's why, and I'm not sucking up to Colonel Knight because she's leaving anyways. Um, but that's why I love this squadron. And I loved her as a commander because she said it. And then she put those words into action and actually proved it. Yeah. And uh, I, I've said it on this podcast before. We we're just extremely grateful um, that we had the 24 months that we did with her because I truly f- feel <laughs> like coming out of COVID um, yeah. and then all the changes that we've had to endure in recruiting, if we would have had a different type of commander, it could have got ugly. Yeah, it's. I mean, I yeah, the, the changes in recruiting is the days of, like when I initially made that phone call, I didn't get a response. Yeah. So, okay, so I'll go down to the office. Went and knocked on the door because, of course, it was locked. It was 10.30 in the morning. Yeah. So, well, went back the next day. The next day, I was like, so I'll, just, I'll just hang out here and see what happens. Yeah. About noon, the, the recruiter rolled in. Yeah. And I was like, ah, all right. Persistence wow. counts, right? Yep. Um, and, and the right, I mean, it was, again, it was the shadows of 9-11. People were, like, raising their hand left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanting to, to join and, and serve and and you guys aren't you guys don't have that right now and so things change and right you have to change with it and that means the strategies have to change yeah. um, and so for people that have been in recruiting for a long time i'm sure that's i'm sure it's not easy mm-hmm. you know like it, i mean just talking about my beard if i had if i shaved my beard and went to you know take a shower the next day, I'm sure I would go to wash my beard. Yeah, just out of habit. Exactly. So it's it it's not easy. Um, and and I think that that's one of the nice things about bringing in a commander that isn't a recruiter is they don't know the old ways. Yeah. All they know is what they're tasked with, what the mission is now, and you know if they can implement that and motivate the people that work for them to get on board, then that's that's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been awesome. Before we wrap things up, uh, this has been an awesome conversation by the way. Um, but I have one last question for you. Um, and this is one that I usually, I I ask every, every guest that I have on, uh, what is one piece of mentorship or advice that you have received while, whether you've been in the military or, um, post-military that you take with you uh and that you still use on a you know a daily basis uh yeah uh so you know it's funny i I got this um 
from, I was working, this was before I joined the Air. It was that, that, that time bef- after college, before I, I was in debt for a long time. Um, so that time I was working at a lumber yard. Nice. And it was hot and I was, you know, uh, it was a lumber treatment plant is what it was. And so covered in all these chemicals that, you know, who knows what. It's very fitting because you look like a lumberjack now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, uh, and I was, you know, I was was complaining because it was hot, you know, sweating and, you know, we were behind. um, And the guy I was working with, who was a couple years older than me, he goes, hey, man, it's just training. I was like, training for what? He goes, life. It's just training. And I forgot that when I, when I joined and things weren't going my way and I was, you know, pouting and acting like a brat. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot that. Uh, and so that would, the, the one piece of advice that I pass on and that even I, I pass on to my kids. Um, you know, I, our, our son, Barrick is, is 16. Ari is 12. And, uh, what, what I, I, I especially my son, it's just training. Yeah. Use it, use it later. You, you'll be surprised when the most mundane task comes in handy for real yeah that's a good point i like that it's just training you got you have to practice resiliency and you got to deal with some stuff and you just give you know you tell yourself it's just training yeah just training to make you a better person yep that's awesome yep well thank you so much for coming on scott i really appreciate it this has been an awesome conversation good yeah uh i didn't i didn't i i knew it was going to be good but i didn't realize how cool of a story that you had and uh you know I, I, you, you've had some really great, uh, stories and really great, uh, uh people on the podcast. So I'm, I'm, uh, honored that you, you wanted me on and oh, I'm glad to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a romantic love story between you and my commander. So <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, that ladies and gentlemen was Mr. Scott Knight. And this is the air power hour. Take care friends. Mm-hmm.